Hello and welcome to the Tantric Lounge. I'm Jacqueline Hellier and I'm here as ever with my wonderful co-host Xavier Watercane. Good morning, well, afternoon or evening, well, wherever, wherever you, you happen, happen to, to be. be. Yes. And today we are talking about the urge to merge. Yes, the, the wonderful world of communion with the universe through sexuality. Ooh, I'm shivering all over already. Trembling in anticipation. Trembling, veritably trembling with the anticipation of the whole thing. So, yes. And as usual, mm. what is the latest on Planet Jacqueline? Oh, look, at the moment, there is so much going on. It's absolutely fabulous. Um, so last weekend, I ran another couples weekend retreat up in the Blue Mountains, just outside Sydney. And oh, my God, absolutely fabulous. Being midwinter here, it was quite cold and everyone was snuggled up under blankets and there was lots of sitting in front of open fires and oh, so much love, so much love. There's always so much love at these things and fun. And and so much and, homework for the participants yes, afterwards. And lots of merging too. That's one of the key things. And that's why I got inspired to call this one The Urge to Merge because well, there's so much merging between the participants but also because of the environment and so forth, being mm. up in the bush, up in the mountains, it, it, it just creates a, a good environment in which people really can kind of let go and just merge to the whole universe. And what was the main revelation for the participants throughout, uh, from that weekend with you? The main revelation... What was the big thing that people kept coming back to you about? Yeah, about the, how they've de- deepened their connection. It's often quite surprising to people. Like they come along and they think, yeah, someone wanting to improve things. We want to, you know, have a good weekend and stuff. But what they often get really surprised at is just how much their connection deepens. With each other. With each other. So it's almost like a second honeymoon. Yes. Yeah. If you consider the first honeymoon to be, well, traditionally it used to be the opportunity to (laughs) get people to know each other a little bit more. Mm. differently on another level. Mm. But this is like a second honeymoon for many of these couples. They yeah, and everyone, well, most people, I mean, occasionally I get some brand new couples, but most people have been together for a while and, uh, you know, and often they've been through a lot in life. And, and for a lot of people it is they're really looking to reconnect. And um, I never have any couples that are like severely troubled it's not a good idea to go away on a retreat like this if you're severely troubled no if you're severely troubled it's best to go to the private practice oh yeah definitely can make it worse but in fact there are a few um, couples there who've been seeing me and um either are way way better or getting better so that was really fabulous um people often comment too about just how wonderful it is to actually be there and do the experiential stuff people who've been my clients often say that it's really good to actually be there and experience because while in my private consulting rooms we can talk about things and I can give them homework and so forth. And on this radio show we're obviously yes. always giving people ideas mm. but then the point of going to a workshop or to a retreat mm. is simply to practice. Yeah, yeah, and to do it and, and just the energy of being in that space is, is fabulous. So that's all really good. But just on that topic about getting experiential and obviously not everyone can come and do a workshop or a retreat because of distance or cost or, or shyness or whatever it happens to be. So um, I'm busy with putting together online programs. So just a couple of days ago I filmed the Luscious Woman online program. Which, which complements the 
Black Belt in the Bedroom online program that you've already done. That I filmed a little while ago, yes. Mm-hmm. So those will be up on my website soon and I'm going to do the couples one very shortly. So that's an opportunity for people to do an online program <sighs> yeah. that gives them theoretical ideas but also a more participatory yep. thing than just the passivity of listening, for example, to yep, this radio to show. this radio show. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's really good. And then we've got lots of ideas for more online programs after that. So that that's um, really cool. And I'm doing the... F- Final, final editing of my Seven Sex Goddesses book. Mm-hmm. So that should be out in the next week or two, which is really exciting. Um, <clears throat> and certainly over the rest of this series, we're going to start introducing the goddesses to the listeners and um, and how each, and, and God, because there's a male version as well. But um, just getting in touch with each of those kind of like energetic expressions of sexuality. And we're also um, going to be getting a lot more guests in in this season of the Tantric Lounge. Yes, we're going to introduce a segment on each each show that is um, conversations with interesting sex geeks because there's so many people out there doing really cool stuff and it is possible that the listeners are getting bored with us. As oh, fascinating as, as that fascinating as we might are. be, yes, yes, people need to yeah, we need to broaden their horizons and yes, yes. So um, <clears throat> anyway, I just had this little thought. I don't know what you think about this saviour, but people often ask me about who is this mysterious Xavier Watercane. Yes, who is this saviour person? So I thought maybe anyway. you could be our first guest. Oh, okay, you fine. could be our first interesting sex geek. All right, well, feel free to start interviewing me. Do you actually consider yourself to be a sex geek? Um, Well, some of us are born to sex, some of us aspire to sex, and some of us have sex thrust upon us. Mm. I'm sort of the person who has had sex thrust upon him. And I was the one who thrust it upon you. That's right, exactly. Take this. Yes, mostly through the work that we're doing together with the research that we're doing and the Mm. writing that we Mm. do and all of the other Mm. co-creation, blah, 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 that we do. Mm. Yes, I am perforced to... Mm think about and talk about sex in a way that I wouldn't norm- normally think about it or talk about it. So what would be your normal way of thinking um, about it? Well, being being a self-described pansexualist. A pansexualist? Yes, yes. This my, doesn't surprise me, Xavier. Yeah, my, fa- my flavour of geekdom is to uh, sort of pansexuality mm. in that uh, I don't necessarily, even though there is an important distinction to be made between um, sexuality and sensuality, mm. and I think it's an. I really do think it's an important distinction. For the most part, it's a lost cause to mm-hmm. make that distinction. Uh, I tend to, without making it sound as if I get turned on by everything, I do tend to find the sexual creative force in everything. And that's your definition of a pansexual. That's my definition of a pansexualist. A pansexualist is someone who um, has taken the urge to merge mm. to its logical extreme. Its logical extreme. Its logical extreme. If you think about, if you think about merging mm. as the desire to perpetuate creation, right, 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 and. In a sexual sense, from purely biological sex, obviously perpetuating creation means... Procreating. Procreating. Yes. There is, though, a greater... Not not that procreation is a bad thing at all. I think it's a wonderful thing. Mm. Pol- you know, coral polyps do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Insects do it. Yes. The the birds and the bees let's do, do it. it. Let's, let's, let's fall Let's in procreate. Love. Oh, let's love let's, procreate. Let's yeah. pro- exactly. Yes. There, there's also, when you think about... Obviously, as 
in my work outside of the work that I do with you as a mm. brain coach, mm. I also look at the greater creative process and the engendering and the continual conversation that the self has with the universe in the process of creating ever more. So you consider yourself a brain coach. I know that's what your Well, actually, is. that's my job. That's your job. That's you're a brain job. coach. Tell I'm people a, about you as a brain coach. Okay. Well, if people, I mean, for a, I mean, I'll repeat this later, but if people are more interested, they can look at thebraincoach.net, my website, which explains what brain coaching is. But uh, for the most part, imagine what an athletic coach does. An athletic mm. coach takes a person who is dissatisfied with their bodies mm. and how it's performing mm. or how it looks mm. often and their general health and then says, okay, teach me to do these exercises so that I can get my body functioning better. Yes. Well, a brain coach, of which there are very few in the world, mm. I'm one of the few self-described brain coaches on the planet. Just as there are few sex coaches. Exactly. Mm. A brain coach does a very similar process but with a person's thought processes. Oh. So, this can be a very broad thing mm. and it has its applications in sexuality as well. And mm. I suppose at one point if we want to in the future, we can do a specific mm. tantric lounge on brain coaching and sexuality. Mm. But just as a brief introduction yep. to brain coaching in general, what happens is that everything that you think about will affect what you do. Yes. And your thought processes will determine the destiny that you have. The vast, yeah, yeah. the vast, the vast majority of people don't think particularly well or clearly. Mm. It's not their fault mm. anymore, because people are born. Well, our culture engenders this idea that thinking is something that is a natural process that happens, regardless. You could just be into putting the word sex into thinking there, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, because that's so, the trouble, so much with people's sexuality. Yeah. They think it should be this natural, easy process. If it were a natural... And then they don't do it well. If it were an entirely natural, in, easy and instinctual process, you'd mm. never have a problem with it. Mm. Because after millions and millions of years of doing it, you'd think all the kinks would get... Mm. The, the bugs ironed would get... Out. Yeah, mm. ironed out. <clears throat> with sex, it just doesn't work like that, which is why your work exists. Yes. Because people have kinks in their sexuality and not in a nice way not it's not kinky. kinky it's not a kinky way it's <laughs> it's the dysfunctional it's this dysfunction and a lot mm. of your work is involved in ironing out the kinks in people's sexualities mm. so that the sexuality paradoxically can be more natural and flowing mm. and merging and merging mm. so that so the same thing happens with people's thought processes mm. a, a lot of i mean the vast majority of people don't know how to learn Right. That's a huge problem. And if you don't know how to learn, how, mm. how, do you, how do you ever acquire knowledge inefficiently? Sure. And do you answer. find, like I find as a sex coach, that what gets in the way is, is the overthinking and the trying to force things to happen rather than being able to let go and allow things to flow? True, but yeah. then again, you but you having gone through your experience, mm. you've gone through a long process of de-kinking your own sexuality. Yes. Not that it might have been all that kinked up in the first place, but there have been times when you've needed to rethink things. Mm. But what feels natural mm. is usually what feels most practised. Mm. And this is something... So if that's a dysfunction, whether it's in your thinking or your or with sexing. In, in your sexing, exactly, mm. then it's going to be a, it's going to be a problem. Mm. Uh, people need to train the way that they train themselves into a greater expression of their own natural sexuality mm. 
the same way that they need to train themselves into a more natural and efficient way of experiencing their thought processes because mm. thought is a process mm. just like sex is a process yes you go from one step to another to mm. another mm. and people wonder why their sex lives are screwed up mm-hmm and people wonder why their lives in general are screwed up. It's because the, there are kinks in the process. So just as you iron out the, the kinks in the sexual process, mm. I iron out at a different level mm. kinks in thinking processes, which, of course, apply to sexuality as well. Right. And in that process, I guess you get people to just use their brains in a more sort of authentic way. Well, I, what, what I would do... Without all the crap associated with it. Well, just it. like you do in your... I mean, for example, in your sex therapy practice, mm. you will do... Um, You'll, the first step you always do is getting to know the person and what their sexual, what the current snapshot picture of their sexuality is. Mm. I'll, in the first session, I'll get a snapshot of a person's thought processes. Mm. When you think this, what's the thought that follows onto mm-hmm. that? What's the thought that follows onto? We can explore that later. Uh, more, in, in more but after I imagine the break. that the ultimate thing is is to be able to get people to kind of let go and just have their brains just naturally flow. Yeah, but it takes a while to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, let's talk more about this after the break. Welcome back to part two of today's Tantric Lounge. And I have been doing the first of my conversations with interesting sex geeks today, which has been with my very own um, co-presenter, Xavier Watercane, who, as a brain coach, has been telling us a little bit about the links between sexuality and brain coaching and how the brain functions and needs to flow just as we need to flow in sexuality. Now, I was really interested that you said that quote, if I've got it correctly, that the urge to merge is a natural desire to communicate intimately with creation with the goal of perpetuating creation. Yes. So, if you think about the self as a a constant, in constant Mm. dialogue with the universe, Mm. then we want to merge with the universe. Yes. Now, most of the time, we want to mer- the people think of merging with the universe through a partner. Mm, yes. Right. Well, it's the most common way of doing it. Exactly. So, little death so, and exactly, yeah. exactly. So, there's so for example, between heterosexual couples, this mm. will often result in the creation of a new life. New life. Yes. Um, Homosexual couples will mm. merge on an emerge on an emotional mm. and energetic level, mm. and every to each their own, and to each their own merging, and to each their own creation. Mm. Mm. Uh, creation doesn't necessarily have to result in babies. Well, no, and if we look at the the second chakra, which is in in the belly, the lower belly, that one is about both sexuality and creativity. Mm. Yeah. And, and I know personally that um, when I'm engaging in a really positive sexual encounter, whether it's solo or partnered, that that actually can trigger some fantastic creative processes mm. in me. And I suspect it's partly because, you know, it helps to turn the brain off and to get into this this flow state and this kind of merging. And whether that's just opening me up to the downloads, you know, I often talk about that I get downloads my creativity doesn't it's not a forced thing that I create in fact I can never create something good if I'm trying to force it from my brain it's more of a of I need to kind of open up and allow the inspiration to come this opening up though yeah. is also part of a greater thing about the urge to merge is that it's not only about the urge to merge with the outside it's also the urge to merge with yourself Yes, well, that's where it needs the, to start. Yes, the different parts of you, and this is mm. where something where people even have this 
narrow misconception about what thinking is. People mm. think that thinking is that the sentences that happen through your head and the stories, and that's an important part of thinking, mm. but it's not the whole story. Mm. People think with their bodies, their minds, their hearts, their gut. We have discussed this in other programs. Mm. But if you look at the whole thinking process as the experiential process of how you communicate with the universe mm. in the urge to merge is that driving force that keeps that energy going. Mm. Now, the really important point about the urge to merge is that it cannot be frustrated. Mm-hmm. It is, it's like trying to dam mm. the, the Amazon River yes. with a feather. With a feather. You cannot do it. No. You cannot do it. It would have to be a very, very big feather. It would have to be a bit, and even then it would be a bitty floppy wet feather that <laughs> wasn't really doing the job very well. So what happens very often is that when the urge to, when people try to suppress the urge to merge or it isn't allowed full expression, mm. it gets a little bit perverted. So, well, as does sexuality. Exactly, mm. exactly. So the desire to, if you can't experience intimacy with your partner, mm. Say you're in a bad in a mm-hmm. marriage going through a bad patch, or you're yes. in a bad marriage. Mm. You will look elsewhere. Well, yes, and I've had so many clients where um, you know one has gone and had an affair, um, and when we really get down to what it, what what it's all about, it was it was actually from loneliness in the relationship. And interesting, a lot of um, people go off and have affairs with people who might seem to be sort of less attractive or less interesting or, or anything like that than their actual partner. But often the person will say that that person who they had the affair with brought them something that was missing in their relationship and, and that there was a closeness or an intimacy or an understanding or a support or, you know, whether it was real or imagined. And I'm certainly not 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 trying to excuse people having affairs, you know, because it's a terrible thing to betray your partner, of course, but just... You know, when people actually do look at it, so often what's underlying it is that there has been a lack of true intimacy and a lack of true opening of heart to partner and merging and an ability to merge. And and, and intimacy, I think, Mm. is the key to understanding the urge to merge. Mm. We want to be intimate with creation. Mm. We want to be intimate with our partners Mm. because the intimacy leads to that greater life force opening up and the real feeling of being alive. In fact, I would go so far out onto a limb here, I'm going to come out out of the closet here and say that I believe fundamentally Mm. that without intimacy, Mm. there is no real sexuality. Oh, God, yes. I'm on that limb too. Right. So, you know what? It's good to go out on a limb because that's good. where the fruit is. Yeah, yes, exactly. So the fruits of the, the fruits of all the tantric la- labor, mm. the tantric lounge, if you even if you want to think of it as work, mm. is that at the end of the day you will experience intimacy. And without intimacy, mm-hmm. I don't think there's even the feeling of being alive. I think intimacy and the feeling of being yep. alive are fundamental. Mm. And any sexuality that does not talk about intimacy misses the boat entirely. Yes. We're sold a bad bill of goods in our society mm-hmm. in that we're told that sexuality means being pretty or being young or being very orgasmic orgasmic, or being whatever having a big penis or or having or having big big boobies or whatever it is yes not having wrinkles yes all of these turn-ons and what you said about people having affairs is very interesting Mm. because you they often have affairs with people who are maybe the bill of goods might not be the same Mm. the the shop the window shop Mm. fitting isn't the same oh Mm. wait a minute why would he have an affair with her when she is so much less attractive than his beautiful <laughs> mm. wife at home? Yes. Conventionally beautiful wife. 
and what you've said about mm. his finding greater intimacy with that person mm. is key to the understanding of mm. the whole infidelity. A lot of the infidelity yeah, thing. Yeah, not all of it. Not all of it. No, sometimes it's a pe- very key thing. Yeah, sometimes people will have affairs with somebody because they're not turned on physically by somebody. For the most, for the most part, your your clinical practice has demonstrated that, mm. at least anecdotally, yeah. that a lot of people want intimacy. Yeah, because they're just not feeling that connection with their partner. And if they're not getting the connection with their partner, no. they're going to look for it somewhere else, back to the urge to merge. Mm. I mean, other people will find it by, you know, becoming alcoholics or something. Yes, that's another big part, drugs, mm. the urge to merge and drug taking. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's why so many people take drugs to, you know, get that sense of bliss and ecstasy and all that sort of stuff. That's why some of the drugs are called ecstasy and have names like that. Um which I think just demonstrates people's natural desire to merge. Yeah. And I, but I often I, find it very odd. In fact, I was saying, talking about this with a new client yesterday who was saying the same thing, loves to party, loves going to raves, never takes drugs, doesn't understand why people feel the need to take drugs when they're already somewhere listening to cool music in this great space and, and feeling to it. A, to a certain thing, I think it's, again, it comes back to just putting brain coaching in here mm. again. Mm. If, uh, if your thought processes don't lead you to intimacy, mm. And by that, I also include your feeling processes that mm. are part of the process. You are going to, the urge to merge is so great, you are going to seek it any way you can get it. Mm-hmm. And if you find that a drug mm. can, for whatever reason, either mm. enhance or quieten down the feelings that are blocking that urge to merge, mm. you will take the drugs mm-hmm. because it feels better to take the drugs. Yes. It feels better than the lonely, isolated, Mm -hmm. non-intimate state that you're in. Well, yes, and I suspect too, and I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm just saying that, you know, people who get, you know, depressed and, you know, how many countless billions of people who seem to be taking antidepressants and stuff is because they're feeling so down because they're not getting, they're not being able to feel what they, what, what is such an intrinsic drive to actually feel that, that connection and that merging and so forth. But rather than trying to learn how to do that, they'll take drugs that actually numb them out, flatten them out so that they don't have the lows, but then they're not going to get the highs as well. Another thing that people will do is they'll explore fetishism because if they Mm -hmm, can't mm -hmm. find intimacy with a person, they will find find intimacy with an object and Mm. they will begin to imbue those objects or those triggers with meanings and narratives that will give them a closer feeling of merging and intimacy that they can't mm-hmm. find with people for whatever reason. Which is why they might get it through a stuffed toy or a balloon or... Or spandex mm. or mm. rubber or yeah. what's some of the other stuff that people are into. Yes. And I just want to stress there too, with my professional hat on, that the thing about fetishes, like any other kind of um, thing that's quite all-consuming, is that it can be okay or it can, be, or it can become bad. If it becomes obsessive and gets in the way of your life... Right. If the only way you can have sex is if you're dressed up as a fluffy toy, then that might be problematic. Unless you're with a partner who really likes you dressing up as a fluffy toy too. Emphasis on the only. Yes, the emphasis on the only. Which as a pansexualist Mm. I find completely confusing. Well, yes, and there is no real true merging of that's it's kind of it's kind of putting yourself in the smallest little box possible well exactly mm. and and while that might work for a time mm. it can be incredibly restricting mm. and it can be just logistically complicated well, yeah, i've heard of me i've heard of i've heard of um of fetishes where for example a, a chap wasn't by he didn't consider himself bisexual mm. but he could only have sex with a woman if there was an if it was a threesome with a man right and i just thought 
that's interesting, but just logistically it just makes everything so much more complicated. Yes. It was like on Game of Thrones last night. I'm up to <laughs> season two of Game of Thrones and this king is actually gay and can't have sex with his queen, so she's suggesting she bring in her brother, who is, in fact, his lover. Yeah, anyway. Exactly. The, the incub- yes, I mean, and well, it's, well, it's only that's a more extreme case of mm. having to perform your kingly duties. <laughs> yes. Well, having... <laughs> with if, the wrong sex. If, yes, exactly. If you're going to go through life mm. and you need to get sex happening, mm. which I'm all for anybody wanting to do that, yeah. um, then you're going to have logistical problems if your sexuality becomes too narrow mm. because your urge to merge has been focused too narrowly in one entry point. Yes, and I, and I think a lot of people who, um, even in just normal conventional um, rela- sexual relationships who don't have any particular fetishes and stuff, but often the limitations are such that it prevents them from merging. And as it's been a constant theme that I have, that in long-term relationships, often people become more and more limited in their sexual relating um, because they become more and more fearful of what, you know, they can't suggest anything for fear of how their partner might might respond. And that's in part because they're needing their partner to validate them so strongly and, you know, they fear rejection and their fear hurt and stuff. So their sexual relating becomes less and less and less. And like so many things having to do with brain and feeling, mm. one feeling, one thought perpetuates another closely related one. So mm. you can get on a downward spiral of a lack of intimacy. Mm. I'm not intimate today. I will be a little less intimate tomorrow and so mm. on and so forth until 30 mm. years later, you've discovered that you've been married to somebody that you don't know. Yeah. Yes, and then they've suddenly gone off and had an affair, or they've suddenly kind of come out as and then a you feel betrayed, or they've come like. And then how, how did that, how did that happen? When did that happen? Well, there yeah. wasn't a one point. It happened over a series. It was like the death of a thousand cuts to that relationship. Yeah, yes. And I suppose we can talk about this a little bit more after the break. After the break, gee, time is flying on this one. We are having such a fascinating conversation. All right, we'll we'll join you again, listeners, shortly. Well, the third section's always. Hello and welcome back to part three of our show today where we're talking about the urge to merge and I'm here also interviewing my co-presenter Xavier Watercane as the brain coach and fellow sex geek. Right, where are we up to, Xavier? We're up to the paradoxes of the urge to merge. The paradoxes. Yes, because yes. There, is, there is some apparent par- um, contradictions in the urge to merge. Mm-hmm. The first one is that if you take merging too far... The yes. first paradox is that the old familiarity breed con- breeds contempt thing. True. You can get so familiar with somebody mm. that they no longer hold any attraction for you. It's like being with yourself all the time. Mm. Mm. Most people, unless they're hardcore narcissists, yes. are not into themselves that much. I mean, I like <laughs> me. I think I'm one of the most interesting people I know. I know, I do too. But That's me, not you. But you're quite interesting. Yeah, you're, right. you're quite interesting too. <laughs> but the point is the reason that there are other people in my life mm. is because I am not everything for Surprise, surprise. Good heavens. And yes, exactly. Can't believe you're admitting that. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> and so as a result, mm. I, my urge to merge also is in, in, in exploring and cultivating relationships with other people mm. on a variety of different levels. Yes. Now, in an intimate relationship, mm. you will spend a lot and invest a lot of time in investing in the other person. Mm. But if that person becomes if you know them too well or they're too mm-hmm. predictable or they fail to grow because they're just not growing, not growing and therefore you know them really well, then the paradox becomes that, okay, I've merged with you but now so what? Well, the urge goes. The urge goes. 
because there's no, because there's not not enough polarity yes. in the relationship mm. or in the dynamic to mm-hmm. continue the interest. Yes, there's not enough discovery in it. Yes, exactly. Which is mm. why it's a fortunate thing that the universe is so big and vast and interesting and, and complex, constantly changing, and constantly changing, because mm. you can never fully merge with mm. something that well, is in a constant dynamic state mm. of flow. Well, I mean, even something simple like weather. Mm. Or, or seasons, you know. Mm. I sometimes think, I personally think, I don't know that I'd like to live in one of these idyllic tropical paradises where, you know, beautiful one day, perfect the next, because there wouldn't be enough variety. Like, you'd sort of start becoming complacent with perfect weather, whereas, you know, well, like... You'd, you'd merge with other things then. Well, I suppose you would, but I guess the point is just to give our listeners <clears throat> just a simple example of how there's constant change and how that, that keeps us open and interested. The fact that nature keeps changing and the seasons change means there's always something new and there's always this desire to, oh, now it's winter so we can get which, all sort of which in is, front of a fire yes, and warm and wear, which is wear why, wool. Which is why, winter, which is why winter sex can be warm and snuggly mm. and cosy. Yes. Summer sex can be, incre- it was, can be languorous and long and, yes. and, and, and just sweaty and slow. Yeah, and spring sex can be vibrant and alive and, and exciting. And, yeah. and autumn sex can have the most poignancy and yeah. I just think, I don't know, there's something about the fall. I love it. I love it. It's just just so poignant. Mm. It's it's got depth. It has depth. It's where the harvest is. It's when everything's come to its full expression and you're just kind of enjoying that. So each season has its Mm. own sexuality. Mm. And this is interesting too because a lot of modern people are actually quite divorced from the seasons. I mean, if we're talking about merging with the universe and so forth, right, then it's really important that you actually experience nature. Which again brings me back to this idea of pansexuality mm. as being a logical extension of the urge to merge. Mm. On the flip side, there's another paradox in yes. that it can also lead to asexuality mm-hmm. to some extent because mm-hmm. if you're merging with everything, it's mm. like that. It's like that Buddhist monk you talked about it yes. a few a couple of seasons ago. Yes, he was so into the universe yeah. that he never felt the need to merge with another person, with an individual. Yes. Why? Why mm. go for a person when mm. you've got the whole universe? Universe, and that's where to. celibacy comes in. It's kind of like highest form in a really positive form, where people don't feel a need to be intimate with an individual because they're feeling intimate with the whole of experience. And celibate, and here on the tantric land, we're mm. so incredibly tolerant of everything. We are absolutely. We are, we are. so mm. so celibacy becomes simply one of a of a number of sexual mm. expressions that mm. doesn't necessarily need to be permanent. But you can go through periods absolutely. of celibacy yeah. without feeling the. Uh, whereas you're where, mm. where you're actually in a mm. very positive sense merging with Mm. the universe. Well, I find um, having spoken to a lot of clients, people who've gone through a conscious period of celibacy, you know, maybe they've come out of a long-term relationship or or something, they often find that that that's a really useful time for them to sort of like merge with themselves, especially if they've found that they've been in relationships where they've been with other for, for validation. Like they need to be with someone else to 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 satisfy me in some way, right? Um, where so that they and can val- and I would interject there. Validation is not a path to intimacy. No, you are not going to get no. to intimacy because when it's all about you and about needing mm. to fill a void in yourself, exactly, which is what so many people see sexuality or relationships as. I am special because that person is particularly desirable and they're with yes. me. Yes, yes, and you make my, me feel better. Yes, and my market value has mm. now increased. Mm. I find that completely confusing, even though I see it all the time. Mm. Yes. 
rather than coming from actually, you know, I'm feeling pretty good in myself. And yes, being with you, of course, it enhances my life. Yes, and I'm glad that you're in my life, and it mm. is a beautiful thing that we are when we are together. Mm. But I don't need you because I feel inadequate on my own. Yes, I need yeah. you because you give me flavors and experiences mm. and sens- sensual mm. experiences that mm. I would not have mm. in the absence of you. Mm. My life and is more because my, of my, you. My, my life is more than you. But if you were to go away, mm. I would I would find my, that moreness in other things. Yeah. Just so, then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I is mean, both cher- grief as well. I guess, which is but, which is both mm. cherishing the other yes. and freeing the other. Oh, that's so lovely! Cherishing the other and freeing them at the same time. Well, that's what yes. tantra is all about. Yes, it is, and it's about cherishing yourself and freeing yourself mm. as well. Mm. So it's a beautiful word, cherish, isn't it? To, to, to cherish, to 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 hold in the in mm. the heart. Mm. We have questions. Oh yes, let's move on to the questions. I know this merging. That's why I take party drugs. <laughs> you take, talk about the same effect but achieved naturally. Yes, essentially. Essentially. Hmm. I mean, I've, I've taken party drugs on occasion partly because I'm a scientist because I want to see what they're like and um, I always find it kind of interesting because I'm like, hmm, this is how I feel most of the time. But I can kind of see why people would take them to feel like that. But um, and, and there are ways, I guess, of using drugs, um, you know, in, the, in sort of that shamanistic way that people have done for for millennia and so forth, which is guided with teachers and so forth to help them get to places. I think it is so deeply ironic, Mm. for example, that the American Indians, Mm. for them, tobacco was a sacred plant only used in particular Mm -hmm. ceremonial areas and only in very specific contexts Mm. so that the effects would be very, very specific Mm. to with a particular goal in mind. Yes. And yet in this culture... Mm. Tobacco is a drug of choice for a great many percentage of the population mm. without that context mm. and has simply be- has completely degenerated yeah. into a drug that does not give people what the tobacco plant was originally intended for. Well, there's no sacredness in it. Hmm. Yeah. And finding the sacred is another tantric approach. Mm. It's actually a pansexual approach. Mm. It's yes. also a... a, a basic life approach, mm. the whole idea of, and again, it's, a, it's another manifestation of this urge to merge. Well, it's about merging with the sacred because when you merge with the sacred, then you're merging with something greater than yourself. And and when you can actually access the sacred in that way, which really is what we're talking about, then you have such a great sense of, um, I guess, being held, like being held by the universe and, and feeling safe. And, and we come back to this idea of seduction as being the willingness to be Seduced by God. Yeah, yeah, the grace as being the... the yes. Yeah, seduced by God, seduced by the universe. Mm. Getting back to mundania, though, yes. you end up with problems like this one. My mm. wife and I drew apart over the years and then I had an affair. I didn't intend to and felt terrible about it, but when I got to the affair was the sense of merging, which I'd lost or probably never had with my wife. Unfortunately, she left me, but I wish we'd learned to merge before I'd had the affair. Mm. Well, we wish you'd learned to merge before you'd had the affair. Oh, I know. And, that, you know, so many people come to me because someone has done something along these lines and it's caused so much hurt that they haven't been able to continue the relationship, um, which I think is really sad because if they'd kind of realised in advance that this was what was missing in their life and come to me or someone else and learn to deal with it, then it would never have happened in the first place. But I have to say I completely take my hat off to those couples for whom this has happened and they actually do the work to move through it because if they can, 
then they can come out the other side in such a much better space. The first the first realisation must be, though, that the urge to merge is the mm. most fundamental of urges mm. and will not be repressed. Yeah. If you think about even eating as an urge of, is part of the urge to merge, you are incorporating a foreign substance into, into your, your body. body. Yes. And there's a negotiation that mm. takes place between the food and your body. Well, even so that's, breathing is, isn't it? Absolutely. That's how that's we, that's why we do. That's why we do breath work in Tantra. Yes. Because we are taking from the what we consider to be mm. the outside into the inside. Mm. We negotiate yes. with the air mm. to bring its mm. energy into us. Yes. And through wonderful chemical processes, we then oh, breathe wow. out mm. and then the universe breathes us back. They do. And can I share with everybody a really beautiful exercise that you can do with your partner? And it's just called reciprocal breathing, right? And it's very similar to this and it feels like you're breathing each other, right? So you just sit facing each other very closely. You can be in yab yum, or which is when the woman or the smaller partner is sitting in the lap of the, of the other or just sitting facing each other cross-legged. Mm-hmm. And you, as one breathes in, the other's breathing out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you swap over. And the other one breathes in and breathe out. And as if you do that, I say play some beautiful music as I always do, and do it for a song. Mm-hmm. And what you'll the sensation that you'll get is that it's almost like you're breathing each other in. Mm. Yeah, it's like you're breathing in each other's air. It's probably a good idea to brush your teeth before you do this. Well, it depends. If you're doing it first thing in the morning, you might have morning breath. But <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, the beauty comes from the exchange of breath. Of the breath, yeah. And you actually do get that sense that you were just describing of, of, of breath being the universe breathing you and, and bringing you into existence and creating you in a way. I think that's what you said. That's what I got out of it. Yes. But, but this is very much like how you can get that same sense between you and your partner and or uh, a partner. It doesn't even have to be your partner. Do it with anybody. And you can do this through intimate kissing as well, mm. that if while, while in the throes of the kiss, yes. you go into the breathing. Well, yes. And so what you do, it's very similar to what I just described, but you bring your lips together, mm. right? So this isn't like a passionate French kiss or something with lots of lip movement, I mean, lots of tongues and stuff. No, all you're doing is you're just breathing bringing your lips together mm. and then you're breathing. Mm. Yeah. So as you breathe in, your partner breathes out. As your partner breathes mm. in, you breathe out. Yes. And Or if your lips are together, you can also do it that um, you're both breathing together and breathing out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But with the lip joined version, I'd, I'd encourage you to be less focused on how the actual breath is happening. And just feeling the fact that you're joined at the lips and that the breath is happening. It's kind of like the two of you are breathing together. It's kind of like that sense of oneness. Interestingly, this sort of exercise where you're, where you're yinning while someone else is yanging mm-hmm. and yanging while someone mm. else is yinning mm. leads, is very, very much encourages part of what we talked about last week and mm-hmm. which we've got another question about. Oh, yes. After listening to your show last week on surrendering, I've been observing myself and seeing just how guarded I am. Mm. I've decided to sign up for dance and art classes so that I can bring some creativity into my life and with that hopefully get better at surrendering and merging with the creative process. Yeah, so that comes into that whole thing about how you know merging is a creative expression or it allows creativity to flow. And and with this this exchange of breath exercise, mm. you are surrendering mm. to the breath. You're surrendering to the breath, and as our listener who just wrote in there is seeking to surrender, merge through the creative 
process. So the urge to merge mm. and, and successful merging is a logical extension of surrender. Oh, absolutely it is. Mm. And well, it might be the reason why you would surrender. In fact, it may pre- precede it. And it comes back to co- uh, questions about being mm. guarded. Mm. It's very difficult to not be intimate mm. with someone with, your, with whom you are exchanging breath yes. if you're guarded. If you're guarded in your breathing, you actually stop breathing. Yes, and, you'd, and it will be very shallow. Yes. And you'll feel it coming sort of like high up in your chest mm. and be small and you're kind of on guard. Well, your body's going into that sympathetic mode, that stress mode, that, oh, well, I'm on guard, I'm on, I've got to be cautious here. And even though there's a great place for being guarded no, at particular course. times and yes. it is, it's important to put up barriers at particular yeah. times, it's not just all flow. No, I don't think one would be able to survive if one was constantly like that. Yeah, but the two, but both both extremes lead to extinction. Mm. Well, you need to have your unit. Overly, case. overly, overly closed off, you die of asphyxiation, mm. not only necessarily physical but mm. spiritual, emotional, mm. psychological. Mm. Overly open and you mm. die of dissolution. <laughs> yeah. You just She's dissolve. Just be this puddle. And, it's, and that's no longer <laughs> merging. That's dissolving. Yeah. And I think that comes back to this uh, fear that some people have with the idea of the merging, that they are going to lose themselves. Yes. Yes. And my point of view on that is that there is no danger that you ever lose yourself. No. If you do this in a natural way. I think there's Mm. a danger in doing it if you put in chemistry. Yes, I'm more concerned about the chemistry side of things. But you can't if you're on your own. Yeah, your body has a natural integrity. Your mind Mm. and heart have natural integrities Mm. that if you don't fool around with them with artificial means, they Mm. don't get violated. No. So you don't lose it. Mm. Um, And and you're you're not going to go further than you're actually capable of going. Yeah. Assuming, of course, you're not mentally ill. Yes, of course, yes. So we're talking about people. Yes. That, that now, of course, if you if you have that sort of history, then mm. you might want to take this a little bit more carefully. Well, yes, Sorry. just just a little bit of a just a little yes. bit of the uh, caveat there. Yes, the legal yes, duty of care. Duty of care thing. Mm. Mm. Here's another question. I can yep. feel the merging when I'm on my own and when I'm in groups doing yoga or meditating, for example. I've yet to master it with a partner. I get self-conscious and I know the barriers to true intimacy are up. What can I do? Mm. Yeah, I've had quite a number of clients come to me who consider themselves very spiritual. You know, they do yoga, they meditate, they do all of those sorts of things and, you know, they, they go to kind of free dance lessons and all that sort of stuff, which is all fantastic. But that they find it really difficult to be able to be intimate with a partner, yeah? Um, so, so as important as it is to sort of be able to sort of merge with yourself and sort of merge with the universe, for many people it's, it's a different thing to then be able to merge with a partner and for many people that's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. So that's why um, these kind of very, very simple exercises, like those two breathing exercises that I just described, the reciprocal breathing or the, um, the breathing through the kiss, are so important to help a couple be able to open up to each other. From a brain coaching point of view, I mm. would say that the difficulties that people have with finding intimacy with partners have to do with thoughts associated with partnership. Mm-hmm. So you would look at, for example, mm. when you're with another person, what mm. are your associations with other people? Mm. Because one would 
guess that if you've had a lot of negative experiences with people, Mm. then you're not going to want to be intimate with them because in the past people have been a source of discomfort or pain. Yes. It's a perfectly reasonable. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, it reminds me of a client I was talking to just yesterday evening um, who's having trouble opening up to the concept of love and falling in love and getting a partner and so forth. Um, And I, I said, you know, why would you love another person? And he was struggling to come up with an answer. And when he did it, he said, well, I guess because they do things for you. (laughs) Mm. And I was like, well, if your concept of love is doing things for the other person, I mean, even though that I said that can be a natural extension of being in love, but primarily falling in love is about the being of the other person. (laughs) And again, an extension of the urge to merge. To merge, yes. And from that you might, of course, you'll do nice things for each other, but it has to be about the being, not the doing. Ultimately, though, the question of the urge to merge can't really come down to what's in it for you. No. Because it can't, because the urge to merge um, is going to be, is such a natural and fundamental thing that the what's in it for you doesn't even apply. Mm. If you do not, there's another paradox. If you do not merge, there is no you. Now, that might sound a bit Mm. way out there, but Mm. let me explain. Yeah. We are, to some extent, the sum of our relationships. Mm -hmm. Without relationships, there's only this self. Yes, well, you have. You can only be yourself in relation to something else. Exactly. So, without relationships, mm. how can you? How can you be a you? Well, it's a bit like the story of creation as to why God actually created physical reality. Because before then, God was just God. Being. And had, well, yes, and God had no way of actually experiencing God because God was everything. So God had to actually break itself up into little bits to be able to actually experience itself. And in order to experience itself, the various parts of God need mm-hmm. a, a, a constant merging, unmerging, mm. meeting, unmeeting, yes. speaking and non-speaking, yinning and yagging. Yeah, and it's that dynamic flow. And, that's, and it's that creative flow that we've been talking about. Which makes me wonder how your patient is going to get to the love thing because mm. I think that he's, he's, he's going to have to find a relationship with himself before he can find a relationship with other people. For sure. Mm. Absolutely. He's got a lot of work ahead, hasn't he? <laughs> well, I think as a regular listener to the show, we won't go into too much detail, but yes. But that's a lot of what I do with people. You know, in fact, people often come to me thinking they've got a sexual issue and then they find out it's actually a kind of more of an existential issue and who they are and what life's all about. And, and, of, course, and of course, the urge to merge is the fundamental existential issue. Mm. What do I emerge with and how and when and under what context mm. and how do I create this relationship? Mm. Because I think it's a really important thing that people realise that they are in charge of the moments that they create. Mm. Yes. Oh, absolutely. If you We're look at your, our yes, own if you, yes, as if we you, go. if you like, if you look at your entire life, if you look at it as a series of moments, and mm. if you look at the series of moments that not the things just don't happen, mm. they've they've they're either des- they're designed. Mm. Now you can either design those moments consciously, or you can mm. design them by default. Mm-hmm. Now designing by default usually means that people just go with what they've been going through. Yeah, and or what the social norms are. Yeah, and, and so that's forth. okay because mm. that feels natural. Mm. But what I'm just, but what I've often said about, and this is part of the way that the human brain, mind, heart, body, mm. gestalt works, mm. is that what is familiar mm. is comfortable. Mm. 
very often the urge to merge is going to lead you to areas of discomfort because yes because pa- fundamentally when you do when you do go for new experiences they are going to feel unnatural mm. yes. i would argue Awkward, scary. if 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 a substantial proportion of your life mm. does not feel uncomfortable <laughs> then I think that there's something wrong with your life. It's a bit too safe. It's a bit too safe. Mm. Now, there are obviously good pain and bad pain. Yes. Like, just like with athletic coaching, mm. you can have, mm. oh, that pain means you've actually torn a tendon. Oh, that hurt means that you've stressed without straining. Yeah, and you've pushed yourself. You've pushed yourself just things. a little yeah. bit further yeah. than normal so that your comfort zone widens a little bit. Mm. So mm. with this merging thing. And so that you can move towards your potential. Exactly. Mm. Funnily enough, the disc- for me, the discomfort mm. of not stretching yes. is greater than the com- discomfort of stretching. Well, because what happens if you don't stretch? You, co- you become tight and Ex- stiff. Exactly. And you, use we- your flex- you lose your flexibility and that limberness. So people who think that they can get through life without pain or discomfort mm. are crazy mm. because pain and discomfort are simply sensations mm. and the creation of life, you create thoughts around the sensations. Mm -hmm. This, you can decide, this thought that I'm creating around this sensation is that it is a sign of growth. Yes. That it is a sign that I am moving towards a greater expression of myself and a greater communion with reality. Mm. Mm. I could create other thoughts and say, oh, this this is a bad thing. Yes. That this is, oh, uncomfortable, therefore it is wrong. Mm. I know many people who are like that and yes. what I find is that they end up becoming ever more stiff, yes. ever more physically stiff but psychologically and emotionally and stiff. And their lives become more and more limited. And, and until the point where they, mm. that they die of rigidity. Rigidity. Well, there's, yeah, it's like people who grow old and stiff as opposed to people who sort of like grow old and kind of more out, outrageous and eccentric. And exactly. I know, you know, 80 year, freedom. the 80-year-olds that do yoga, I mean, hello. Yeah. There's I mean, nothing, there's nothing, age does not inevitably lead to stiffness and rigid, rigidity. But for a lot of people, if they've had a lifetime of practicing mm. rigidity and stiffness, mm. that's the end result. Well, and it's also kind of more of the social norm that as you get older, you get stiffer and more limited and people's ideas get more narrow-minded and their bodies stiffen up and all those sorts of things and sex gets more and more boring and generally drops off. And if you recognise that the urge to merge is this natural process Mm. and that it will involve discomfort, but it's a preferable discomfort Mm. to the discomfort of not. Yes. Well, it's kind of like just going back to, say, for instance, the uh, retreats that I run on on the weekend. Um, A lot of couples, when they start, they're feeling quite awkward and I'm like, okay, sit and eye gaze for three minutes and at first it's kind of, you know, there's giggles and there's awkwardness and then by the end of it, there's kind of like, oh, opening and feeling. But for some people they can't do it. For some people it's just like, oh, no, that's just too uncomfortable. I don't want to go there. So we can leave people who are Mm. listening with this idea that, hey, seek out the slightly uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. That's where the growth is. Yeah. And seek to merge. Yeah, it's going to happen anyway, so you Mm. might as well embrace it. Yeah, get in touch with nature. Enjoy the senses. Yes, and 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 to and and enjoy the pansexuality of the universe. Oh yes, and enjoy your own personal, you know, petro homo a whatever your your sexuality is. Just merge with it. Oh, 
what a lovely, lovely, lovely conversation we've had today. So we'll join you again, listeners, next week for more fascinating conversations at the Tantric Lounge. <laughs>